Hey everyone, this is Jeannie and I use she, her pronouns, and you're listening to Sex Talk Happy Hour, a podcast hosted by the New York City Alliance Against Sexual Assault. First of all, because I completely missed this about a month ago, the podcast has officially been around for over a year. We hit our one-year mark at the end of this past March. Yay! (laughs) And I just really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. If you've been listening from day one, thank you for your continued listenership. And if you just joined, thanks for checking us out. I really, really hope that you've been enjoying our content and it's been worth your while. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. We are so proud of this podcast and we're happy that you're listening to us. All right, so next week, we here at the Alliance are very excited to host our 10th year of the Celebration of Excellence. Every year we host an annual event honoring six people who show exemplary work in either preventing sexual violence or responding to survivors. Each honoree receives the Lydia Martinez Multidisciplinary Collaboration Award, an award that aims to honor those who are doing incredible work with and for survivors. The award is named after Detective Lydia Martinez, a woman who is remembered as passionate and deeply dedicated to meet the needs of sexual assault survivors. This year, we're even more excited than usual because it marks our 10th year that we've been recognizing amazing people and we added a seventh category. But wait, there's more. This year, we're also going to be hearing from two incredible speakers, Larry Wilmore and Anna Maria Archila. If those names sound familiar to you, it might be because Larry Wilmore is a correspondent on The Daily Show and writes for the incredibly popular television shows Insecure and Gronish. And Anna Maria Archila? She's one of the two women who confronted Senator Jeff Flake during the hearings around Supreme Court Justice nominee Brett Kavanaugh. That moment in the elevator went viral for days. If you're in the New York City area or want to make a special trip out to see all of these amazing people, we would absolutely love to see you there. It's on Monday, May 6th at 6 p.m. at the Marquee, located at 27th Street and 10th Avenue. Tickets are on sale now, so make sure you do check out the episode description to get your tickets today. Bring a friend and come celebrate excellent professionals. Enjoy the open bar and appetizers, and know that all of the proceeds from the event will go towards supporting programming efforts at the Alliance. In light of our upcoming celebration of excellence, we thought it would be appropriate to look back in time and see what some of our past honorees have accomplished. I wish we could have interviewed every single person, of course, but we simply were not able to make that happen. I also have a feeling that none of you would want to listen to an eight-hour episode. I got to speak to four past honorees, and I got to ask them questions about their memories around the award, as well as the things that they've seen change since they entered the field. You might notice that many of the questions I ask are similar, so I hope you'll give any repetition you sense there. Each respondent did have great and unique answers. As always, our episodes come with a warm self-care warning. Take care of yourselves as you listen today, and we'll see you on May 6th for the 10th year of Celebrating Excellence. Here are our interviewees. Thank you so much for being with us here today. I would love for you to introduce yourself, share with us the pronouns that you use, and which category of the Celebration of Excellence Award did you win for? My name is Rama Rao, and I go by the pronouns she and her, and I won for Safe Examiner. Amazing. So I wanted to ask you, as a safe examiner and your experience sort of in that hospital setting, what do you find to be the most striking or profound thing in the work that you do? I think the big thing that I experience are the people that I work with. And while it goes without saying that the survivors and what we can give in terms of support to survivors is something that probably can't be put into words. 
I find the dedication and devotion of the people doing the work, their lightness and their energy in the face of what is really pretty challenging and dark um, is really buoying for me and keeps me, keeps me coming back. And how long have you been doing this kind of work? Have you? How long have you been in the field? I started in college at a shelter for survivors of domestic violence, which back then was called domestic violence, and now I, I think the more appropriate term would be intimate partner violence. Um, so my work in that in the field started back then, and I became an advocate in medical school, and spent a lot of time as an advocate and then came back to it as a faculty member in the emergency department. That's amazing. Well, we were really um, excited to honor you with this award a couple of years ago. And uh, while it's really quite only known within our, our little world <laughs> here in New York City, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing, how did it feel when you found out that you'd been nominated and that you won the award? I felt incredibly emotionally touched by it because I know that the nominations come from a place in the heart. And I felt that it was a very kind thing for somebody to take time out of their day to put in nominations or the team of people that did that. And then I was incredibly honored because there are so many soldiers in this fight and they are doing heroic and beautiful and generous things every day and for someone to even nominate me was an honor, let alone to have received the award. Well, I can definitely say it was well-deserved, and we're, we were so excited to honor you. Uh, I, th I believe it was 2017 when, when we honored you. And so I wanted to ask you, since you've been doing this work in some capacity since you were in college, what do you find to be the most interesting about how the field has changed since then? I think that people are... As a, as a group, culturally, I think people are ready to have the conversation a little bit more. And between the Me Too movement and what happened with the Supreme Court nomination and Christine Blasey Ford, I think that everybody is willing to listen a little bit across the board and bridge the chasm of what what had really been a very isolating event, now people are realizing, wow, it, it really isn't just me too. And there are safe spaces in the world. Great. Well, I'm happy to hear that because I know it's been a tough couple of years on the national scale for a lot of folks. So it's good to know that that from your perspective that it sounds like we're all listening a little bit more. So, Rama, I just want to say, like, I really admire you and I'm so glad to be talking with you this morning. I have one last question for you, which is just what is giving you life these days? What is giving me life? Well, I'm trying to learn new things, just fun new things. So my most recent was paddleboarding. <laughs> and so I find it really exciting to try something new. And uh, I have a beautiful home and a beautiful family. They give me a lot of life. And I have to say, the people I work with um, in the SAFE program, they're amazing. 
So I'm pretty lucky. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, being here with us today and for spending your morning with us. And we look forward to seeing you at the Celebration of Excellence. See you soon. So my name is Brian Aston, and I'm currently the supervising social worker for the anti-trafficking program at Safe Horizon. And I use pronouns he, his, and him. And the category that I won was, I'm not remembering the exact title, but it was Excellence in advocacy against sexual assault for the volunteer rape advocate category. Well, that was much more specific than I was expecting you to be. So that was amazing. And so I wanted to kind of go back because I know that you won a couple of years ago. Uh, How did it feel to you when you found out that you won this award? Because this was for you, especially it was um, for a volunteer position that you were in. And so how did that feel for you? I was so shocked at first. And It was also coming on the heels of my getting my master's in social work. So it was just at that time beyond validating, especially because in that particular role, I mean, everyone that won is in a very difficult role and the the jobs that we do are very difficult. But in that particular position of seeing people really in that exact moment of crisis when they're in the emergency room, it was really validating um, above anything else to, to receive it and get the phone call. Wow, that's awesome. Is there anything that you'd be willing to share about what you found to be most striking in your time as a volunteer advocate? I think how much I was accepted by the medical staff as a volunteer. I mean, hospitals have tons of volunteers in tons of different departments. And so I think it was the acceptance by everyone, the nurses, the attendings, all, you know, residents. And I think part of that was because it's, it can be very time consuming and they really, really look to the volunteer advocate to explain a lot of information and really be that source of comfort and everything for the survivor in that moment. That's amazing. And that's really, really heartening to hear. It's really good to hear that kind of report back. (laughs) Um, So you had mentioned sort of in your introduction that you work for Safe Horizon now. So I was wondering if you could take a minute to share with our listeners, what are you doing now and and what's kind of the bulk of your work and what do you love most about your, your, where you are right now? Sure. So I actually did work for the Alliance, the New York City Alliance, for a time after winning. I was put in touch with the intervention manager at the time, and it, winning the award really inspired me to take my passion and the direction of my career uh, to, to work with survivors of crime. And so I did at the Alliance, and then I started working initially at Safe Horizon at their counseling center, which is working with uh, survivors of crime from children to adults through once weekly sessions. And from there, it really inspired me to work more for Safe Horizon. And so now I supervise social services for the anti-trafficking program. And although it deals, it, it, is, it deals with trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder, it's just very different in the stories that we hear. And I think that's what I love most about it is that we, we work with such a diverse group of individuals from U.S. citizens to foreign nationals, men, women, all genders. And it's 
very interesting to say the least. That's amazing. Congratulations on your promotion. I know it's very well deserved. So what do you find to be the most interesting about how the field has changed just in the last couple of years and knowing that you're sort of in the anti-trafficking world now that you did do a little private practice you were here with the alliance for a little while so you've in the short amount of time you've done quite a bit and you've sort of been able to see different aspects of this field what do you find most interesting or what do you find has been the most prominent change since you received your award so in new york state uh, as many people might know the child victims act was passed which was huge for a number of reasons but one of them being is that a number of clients that i've worked with were abused decades ago and were unable to do really much anything about it once they were able to overcome some of their trauma what this act allows among many other things is that someone can pursue charges or a complaint or a civil lawsuit against their perpetrator all these years later, which can be so incredibly helpful. And yet something else that has also happened parallel to that is that the Violence Against Women Act has not yet been reauthorized. So there's this juxtaposition where on this local state level, we're really progressing for victims' rights. And at the federal level, uh, we're taking a bit of a slide back, which can be, you know, (laughs) it just requires more advocacy from us. So yeah, there have been a number of changes, good and and bad. Yeah, I actually, uh, I appreciate you highlighting the difference between sort of what's happening at the state level and the federal level. It makes me wonder what other states are or are not doing. I definitely think that being in New York City and New York State, we are doing a little bit better. So I really appreciate you highlighting that. Well, Brian, I just want to thank you so much for making yourself available to us and for being able to let us shout you out and give you sort of the praises that you absolutely deserve. Um, I just want to end on my last question, which is what is giving you life these days? The weather, which in turn is allowing me to do more outdoor stuff and garden more and things like that. So just the change in the season is kind of what's giving me life right now, especially going into summer. Yes, love it. Vitamin D is very real. (laughs) Thank you so much, Brian. It has obviously been such an honor to speak with you again, um, and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. Hi, my name is Lily Antavino. I go by she and her, and I got the award in 2012 for the rape crisis professional. That's awesome. We're so, so excited. And we're really excited because it's the 10 year anniversary this year of the Lydia Martinez Award. And so, so I just, I'm curious, what have you, what were you doing in 2012 and what have you been up to since then? So at that time I had maybe been the rape crisis coordinator at Mount Sinai Adolescent Health Center for about maybe three years, if not four. And, you know, my job was twofold. So the rape crisis part Definitely was sort of like half of my time where any uh, I was responsible for adolescents who were sexually assaulted within 96 hours who could be eligible for the forensic exam. So I did crisis work around that, and I would facilitate the adolescents who've been recently sexually assaulted to get the forensic exam. So I would help them get into the ER. So I had a contact at the ER to give them the heads up. And then the other side would be when an adolescent received a sexual forensic exam and they need a follow-up. They knew a lot of the social workers are in, uh, in the emergency room. Providers also knew about us. 
So then I would do the post-safe exam care. So that could be doing crisis counseling, facilitating getting you know follow-up medications like PrEP, as well as any legal advocacy that was needed if the, they had reported the sexual assault to the police. Gotcha. And so what have you been up to since then? So I was at Mount Sinai until 2016. I was there until uh, July. Because of my work, in my other work too, I did have a caseload working with adolescents doing ongoing therapy. I really felt, and again, I've always been sort of a trauma person, meaning that was has always been my passion, as well as trauma specifically to adolescents. And the work I was doing, Allison, uh, with the direct care, but we also did, I was able to do a program. I'm sorry, I didn't say this earlier. Part of my work also was doing outreach around sexual violence, dating violence. Um, I would work with youth. I would work with adults and training adults, whether it be uh, teachers or forensic examiners. And I would actually be part of the, uh, the adolescent module, how to work with adolescents in ER settings. So taking all that in, I was doing direct care. I was doing community work. And then at Adolescent Health Center, we also had opportunities to do research. So all of this was all stuff I was interested in, and I just wanted to take it to the next step. So I was really interested, how do we, because I was hearing the same stories, you know, whether it be from the clients, same issues with police, you know, the, what was the navigation of the legal system, and then working in the school systems and in the community, just how it affects, you know, attendance or, you know, uh, motivation in school. So I thought... I wanted to take it to the bigger picture. So I went back to school in fall 2016 to get my doctorate in public health. So I, so I am a social worker, but I also have my public health master's. And I went the public health route just because I feel it has just more of that comprehensive scope. But I'm always making sure that people understand their, the mental health aspect of sexual assault as well as other forms of trauma. I pretty much have promoted myself as a trauma-informed care specialist, adolescent health specialist, and then another area of interest of mine, which overlaps too, is um, working with Asian Pacific Islander communities. First of all, thank you for doing that work. That's amazing. And I love that you're focused so much on adolescent health and adolescent mental well-being, because I think that is a demographic we actually do not pay as much attention to as much as we could. So I'm curious, because you won this award in 2012, and a lot has happened since then um, on the national level. Like as a society, we've, we've come really far in terms of understanding gender and, uh, you know, of course, the Me Too movement and all of that. So just in your opinion and what you've seen in your work, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen since then? So I was actually up at BU when the Me Too movement, I wouldn't say started, but started building maybe is the better word, right? I was happy for it, but also sort of like, was kind of frustrating because I knowing the history of the Me Too movement, it, it didn't start just two years ago, you know. And I think what we miss sometimes is there has been a history where communities of color have been excluded from a conversation, and not to discount what the Me Too movement has, like I would say, rejuvenated because it has been existing for a while, for almost even ten years prior to two years ago, right? And Trina Burke, she's amazing. And then when it sort of got highlighted, this is a, n- a new wave of Me Too. I'm going to call it that. I don't know if there's a better way of saying it, but letting her step up and having her have the stage and not, you know, um, the minor, the, the majority claiming that that this is their movement. I think we still have more work to do because we also don't want to discount, like you mentioned, the range of gender. So um, I think partic- particularly it's still been sort of female focused. We need to think about other genders as well as men who 
identify as male are also victims of abuse or sexual abuse. So we're, I think we're getting there, but it's still a work in progress. Yeah, I actually agree with you, um, and I'm, I'm so glad to hear. I'm so excited for the work that you're going to be contributing to this type of work as we, as we move forward. So back in 2012, when you found out that you were <clears throat> nominated for this award and that you had won, how did that feel? How, like, what do you remember from that time? Definitely excited. I had heard they had nominated my job. And I just didn't think anything of it. <laughs> Nothing was going to happen. Um, but it was definitely exciting to hear that I was picked and also definitely honored. It's funny, in grad school, I knew I wanted to go back for my master's in public health and social work because there's something about I still wanted to do work on sexual violence. I was introduced to that work originally uh, in college where I volunteered at a domestic violence shelter up in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. And then... I did the Jesuit Volunteer Corps in San Jose, California at a rape crisis center. At the time that I got the award, it just kind of was like, wow, all the stuff, because I think it was 2012, I had graduated college in 93. So it was just really great how to recognize so like how all those things I did along the time culminated and you know it was for it was for something. It was just nice to be recognized for all the work. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that's actually what we aim to do with this award, too, because we, we know it's thankless. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're very well aware. So thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule today, especially given our technical difficulties that you and I were experiencing earlier. I have one last question. What is giving you life these days? It's exciting to see how much now the resources and information that is out there that I never really, that even exists whether you're what I was in high school or in college or in even master's. So I think that's something that keeps me alive. So I guess that's, did I answer your question, I hopefully? Yeah, you did. I, I so, so appreciate your time today. I thank you so much. And hopefully we'll be seeing you at the Celebration of Excellence this year. My name is Angela Fernandez. I go by she, her, and hers. And um, I won the Preventionist Award. Awesome. So I want to name like most of the categories of the Lydia Martinez Award focuses on aftercare and supporting survivors sort of after an assault has occurred. So for example, we have an award for a DA, we have an award for a police officer, a safe nurse examiner, but your category, which is specific around prevention work, is the only one currently that focuses on preventing incidents of violence. Um, and so I would love to hear about what your favorite thing about prevention work is and why. Wow. Okay. I'll try to keep it brief because I know that we have limited time on a, on a podcast, but I think that focusing on prevention work is, is really, it's such a privilege. Um, and I say that because, you know, I get to, or I had the opportunity to work um, in a field and focus on issues that are very important to me that I am very passionate about. And I feel like in prevention work, you know, you kind of get to see some of the positive elements or some of the, I guess, you know, you, you have the opportunity really to be part of or the solution to a problem. And that's not to say that those who work in more of the intervention aspects um, of intimate and or gender-based violence aren't also part of um, the solution. But I think that when you work in prevention, you get to be a little bit more creative. You know, you're reaching people at a time where they're not necessarily focused on crisis. And so you can really 
be thoughtful and have engaging conversations and discussions and really involved your audience you know if you're if you're presenting to a group if you're working with young people if you're you know working with professionals in the field I love that answer and I think that's uh, it's ironic being a social worker where, where I'm basically working towards a world where my job is obsolete. <laughs> um, so it's always interesting to, to frame it that way. Now, I know that the Lydia Martinez Award, um, you were one, actually one of the first people to win in the prevention category, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. And just kind of going back to 2015 when you heard about this, how did it feel when you found out that you had been nominated and that you won the award? Wow. I felt... I, I was... I was so humbled. I felt so proud. I was a little taken aback. I mean, honestly, if I'm going to be completely transparent here, there was a moment where I was like, are you sure? Do you have the right person? Um, I wasn't, you know, to be among, you know, to be nominated by my peers, my colleagues, and then to, you know, share that space with people that I have the utmost respect for. (laughs) Just felt like I don't know that I could ever receive an honor that means that much to me. So it it meant so much. It just felt like it was such an acknowledgement that the prevention work matters and and that we're actually making a difference. We were really excited to talk to you today. (laughs) This is sort of in general, like not necessarily specific to the field of prevention, but what do you find most interesting, you know, since you won in 2015, so it's been a, a few years, what do you find most interesting about how the general field or the vibe of gender-based violence work has shifted or changed since you received your award? Because since then we've had presidential election, we've had the Me Too movement. What have you found to be the most interesting from that vantage point? I, I still can't get over almost what feels like, I don't know, an explosion <laughs> that's happened in our field and, you know, in, in, a, in a positive way. You know, not too long ago, we had to beg to get our foot in the door to discuss these issues, to to get a seat around a table um, if we wanted to, you know, raise awareness of issues around gender-based violence um, in New York City or trying to get into a school or on a college campus to offer free services and programming to start to talk about what prevention looks like. And I and I can think back on when it felt almost like, you know, um, it was a little frustrating and are we ever going to make progress? And then in this very short period of time, and thanks to really brave people on the ground who've come forward to share their stories of, of survivorship, that you know, things have shifted greatly. And I think that that's what's been most interesting to go from, I guess, a place where it felt like, will anyone listen to us? To now, we are so busy because we're getting so many requests. And we, those of us in the field, those of us who, you know, work for programs that are serving survivors or prevention programs or looking at this from a public health perspective, you know, we, we don't have enough time in the day to to meet the demands of, you know, people, groups, organizations, institutions wanting to hear from us, wanting to know what best practices look like, wanting to know how to incorporate more trauma-informed care and approaches into, into their work. I couldn't agree more. I definitely think that it's a good thing that we're all very overwhelmed all the time now, <laughs> while also holding space for the fact that we probably do need a little bit more self-care than we would have a couple years ago. So thank you for answering that. Um, I have one last question for you. I just want want to thank you one more time for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with me, especially during Sexual Assault Awareness Month. But I would love for you to just share with us what is giving you life these days. 
Well, first, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you know, talking to some of my favorite colleagues like you, Dini, <laughs> um, I, you know, I think, I think working among people who are just as dedicated and passionate, you know, and having opportunities to, you know, talk about our experiences in the work, talk about where we're going, you know, sharing best practices, being able to collaborate. I, I love the people that I work with at my individual program at Savvy, but I also feel like there is a really close-knit community here in the city. I guess that kind of brings us full circle because that's why I felt so honored when I chosen to be a recipient of the Lydia Martinez Award um, for that reason. You know, I mean, it's great people who care and are trying to make a difference. So I think that gives me life. I think that's a great answer. And I think we could all agree with you on that. And I just want to thank you so much again for your time today. And we look forward to seeing you at the Celebration of Excellence. I can't wait. Thank you all so much for being part of this podcast and for continuing to do such incredible work for those experiencing violence. You are all such inspirations, and it was truly a treat to be able to talk to each and every one of you about your experiences. I think it would be appropriate now for me to shout out the winners of the 2019 Lydia Martinez Multidisciplinary Collaboration Awards. First, I want to congratulate all of you who were nominated. The voting was so close and we really wish we could have honored every single person. Okay, here's this year's winners. For Assistant District Attorney, Victoria Nunez of the Brooklyn DA's office. For Sexual Assault Forensic Examiner, Amy Smith of Lenox Health Greenwich Village. For Volunteer Advocate, Noreen Noel of Mount Sinai Savvy. For NYPD Special Victims, Kimberly Marshall of the Brooklyn SVD. For Preventionist, Dr. Victoria Fry of CUNY slash City College of New York. For Rape Crisis Professional, Carla Brecky of Bellevue Hospital. And last but not least, our newest seventh category, Emerging Leader, where we recognize young leadership in the field of sexual violence prevention and response, we are honoring Amy Northup, who has worked very closely with Outsmart NYC. Congratulations to each and every one of you. We absolutely cannot wait to celebrate you and your amazing accomplishments. Listeners, come join us on May 6th to celebrate these amazing people. We really hope that you'll consider joining us. Thank you to the Alliance staff for supporting this podcast. Thank you to Nikki Cruz, our social media genius, and to Alex Seitz-Moskin, our Director of Development and Communications, for all your support around the podcast, but also for all of the work and organizing you did to bring together our Celebration of Excellence event. A very, very special thank you to our guests today, Rama Rao, Brian Aston, Lillian Devino, and Angie Fernandez. Thank you for your work past, present, and future. Finally, as always, we want to thank you for listening. We're so grateful for your listenership and we hope you are enjoying the conversations that we're having. If you feel so inclined, it would be so amazing if you encouraged your friends to take a listen too. Since word of mouth is the best way to get more people to tune in and we are so appreciative of those of you who have already started spreading the word. If you prefer to use social media to spread the word, please do make sure you use our hashtag, hashtag sextalkhappyhour, all one word, so that we can see how many of you are listening and sharing. You can always tweet at us at NYCAASA or message us on Instagram at NYC Alliance. And again, make sure you use that hashtag, hashtag sex talk happy hour, all one word. Thanks so much for listening today, folks. I hope to see some of you on May 6th, but if not, I'll catch you next time on the pod. Ciao.